I had to turn to Him. I had to pour myself into Him. I had to pour myself into His Word. And He showed me that He He loves my children so much more, so much more perfectly than I ever could. And He, he reminded me that there is nothing that we feel or that I felt through that whole experience that He didn't allow His own son Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today's story is, as always, our top requested parenting, a great one by Beth McCullen from our Oxford community. Thomas' story last week was about persevering, you know, through tragedy, and really, Beth's story is a lot about persevering through just the everyday struggles of life. As you always say, Robin... Parenting is one of our top requested topics, and this is one where she's just so honest in her struggles with why are you allowing this to happen to my child, but also, once again, she had scripture stored up in her heart and how God just walked her through it because of that. And this is a day that you will want to join Patreon right <laughs> yes. now. Scroll it's down. True. Don't miss it. Go and join us on Patreon because our own Katie Dunn <laughs> Yay, Katie. will be there with her daughter, Emma. And mm-hmm. they are going to be transparent and tell us about Emma's transition to college, which Emma went to college during COVID. And so they are just opening up with us and sharing that mother-daughter story. So you do not want to miss it. Remember, Patreon is a way that you can get extra content, and then it helps fund our ministry and literally keep the lights on around here (laughs) and keep the microphones running. So we appreciate you being a part of our community, and you can go to our website at storytellerslive.org or, like I said, scroll down in the show notes right now and click the link, and it will take you right there. Here's Beth. I have been married to my high school sweetheart, David, for 28 years. Um, we have three daughters. Two of them are here tonight, Sarah and Laura. Make sure I get those names right. <laughs> I'm missing our middle, my middle daughter. She's uh, in Nashville and wish that she could be here tonight. But we had two girls get married this, this year within five months of each other. <laughs> so it's been a, a busy season. God's been doing a lot in our family. Um, I've lived in Oxford for about 17 years. My husband and I are from Louisiana. We moved here from, from Louisiana. And I teach school. I teach part-time at Regents. I teach sixth graders. And that's a huge blessing in my life. I have never publicly shared my story before. This is completely new territory for me. So I'm going to do the best I can. <laughs> talking to kids, talking to sixth graders is a whole lot easier than, <laughs> than talking to y'all. They, they hang on everything that I say. So... I'll do my best here tonight. Um, a reader's home. When I was asked to do this, initially was just really, really, really afraid, really intimidated, and really reluctant to do it. AK called me and I thought, well, she's going to ask me to host one of these at my house, which is, I would love to do. But when I realized, you know, that she was asking me to speak, you know, I had to kind of think about that for a minute. And I kind of wanted to say, uh, you know, I don't know if I, if I can do it. I'm not comfortable with that. This is way out of my comfort zone. But the Lord brought Revelation 12, 11 to mind that says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I kind of, you know, at that point realized it's something that, that we're called to do as believers. 
I began to, you know, minimize what God had done in my life. And I thought, I, t- I was telling myself, I don't really have, I don't really have this crazy story. I don't have this big, you know, wow story that, that's really going to attract people. I don't know how to, to get people there and, and hear what I have to say. But I remember seeing a video by Jackie Hill Perry, who I love. I don't know if everybody's familiar with her. She has a crazy story a really powerful story of what God did in her life. And I remember her saying in in this video that a lot of people had said to her, a lot of believers had said, you know, Jackie, I don't have this real crazy story like yours. And, you know, when, when people are asking me to share about my life, I, I don't know what to say. I just don't really have anything super interesting. And she says in this video, you know, that if we are in Christ at some point, we were all dead. We were all dead in our sin. And that through a relationship with him, we have been brought to life. And that alone is crazy. So if you are a believer, you have that story. And that's a crazy story. So I would I would just encourage anyone that, that felt like me, you have a story. We all have a story to tell. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, know Jesus my whole life, as long as I can remember. I don't remember a time without knowing who Jesus was and, and loving Jesus. My family was in the, you know, in church every Sunday. We did the mission friends. We did the GAs. We did, I don't know if any of y'all can remember that. Some of you are too young, but we did it all. We were there all the time. I remember walking down the aisle to the hymn, Just As I Am, when I was a little girl. And, you know, telling my mom, I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. And, and I did. My sister and I have an older sister. She's two years older. We shared a room. We had records that we would put on and listen to by, I don't know if you if y'all remember Amy Grant. Mm-hmm. David Meeks. Oh, the Imperials. I mean, we would get in there. We would sing those songs. And that was just kind of what we grew up on. It's just kind of what we did. Uh, we would go to church every Sunday, and we knew we had to behave. We had to go to church, and we had to listen. I was expected to listen to the preacher when I was a little girl. A lot of what he said I understood, and a lot of what he said I didn't. But I fell asleep on that pew sometimes, stretched out, and if I did, I was going to get a spanking when I got home, and I knew it on the ride home. It was it was a toss-up. It was either I was getting a spanking for going to sleep or cutting up. Or if we had behaved, we might, if we were lucky, stop at Kentucky Fried Chicken on like twelve days, family meal, or something like that. Uh, my family was well liked. We lived in a small Louisiana town. My dad was the head coach at the high school there. He the football team was winning. They had won a state championship. You know, we were just that little family that everybody knew, everybody loved. I was well liked. I was popular. I was invited to all the kids' birthday parties. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just fun. I just remember life being fun. And I was the middle of three children and my parents were just real attentive to what we did. They, uh, there were rules. We weren't, we weren't wearing bikinis to the swimming pool, my sister and I. We weren't wearing short mini skirts. I mean, we were just a little bit different. My parents were big on, practicing what they preach. They taught us things, but they showed us, they showed that in the way that they 
behaved and the way that they acted and the things that they said and the things that they did. So it was easy, you know, to hear them teach us things, but to see them live those things out really made an impression on us. Um, another thing that I really remember them stressing and, and, and telling us, encouraging in us is that we as believers, you know, individually and as a family, we are, we are in this world. We, we are, we have to be in this world, but we are not of this world. And, and explaining that difference to me, you know, where I could understand at that time in my life. And so this, you know, this was, this was just how I grew up. This was how I was raised. It carried over into adulthood and, and marriage, into raising our own children. You know, God was constantly just working in our family through the good times and the bad times, and there was plenty of both. And I would have told anyone I was content with my spiritual life. I was I was pretty content with where I was spiritually. I considered myself to be living for Christ, and it, so far that had not been too painful or too uncomfortable or really cost me very much. When Sarah was in the sixth grade and Laura was just a little baby, she was one, I think, and Alice was, I think, third grade, we moved to Oxford. So we we moved here from a town where David and I were, his daddy was the mayor. Every Again, everybody knew us. Everybody liked us. We were always invited to everything. We were just embraced. As a, as a family. And we moved to Oxford and we don't know anyone. Nobody knows us. We are nobody. <laughs> um, and it's a big change. And, you know, about this time is when when Facebook is is making its debut and, and cell phones are just all the rage. And, you know, Sarah's, Sarah's age group is doing all those things and participating in all those things and, and have to have those phones, you know, and it was a kind of a struggle for her because she she was in sixth grade. That's a tender age, and she was trying to fit in. And, and we were doing everything we could to to facilitate that. But it was it wasn't too long until we began to see Sarah really start to to suffer. She was a target of really intense, really intentional bullying from girls that she thought were her friends. You know, she had come here and she had tried to make new friends and thought that she had, and everything just kind of started to shift. You know, they're at that age where they're starting to kind of make choices about what direction they're going to go in. And Sarah, you know, was making some different choices. And, And not only that, but it was like everything good about Sarah was was attacked. Everything good that we had tried to instill in her and, and our other girls was was kind of preyed upon. And it was, we entered into a really tough season as a family. Sarah's here tonight, and I've, I've talked to her a little bit about sharing some of this because part of my story involves her. And so I just, you know, wanted to be, wanted to be sensitive to that. But she's, you know, given me permission to, to share this. But without, you know, going into a whole lot of detail, I just can't, it's hard to find the words to tell you how, how painful it is. If you have children, you know how important it is to see them happy and to see them, 
loved and accepted and um, all of that had just been ripped out from under me and her and you know it affected all of us she was going through intense suffering she did not want to go to school there were long nights of crying loneliness really painful loneliness overwhelming sadness weeks and months and years of just hurting and praying and questioning, just not understanding what was happening. I can remember hoping that other moms would maybe come around us and you know, trying trying to reach out to some other moms and, and talk that I thought maybe kind of had the same mindset that I did and was so disappointed. When I when I realized that, um, you know, of course they had their children's well being or popularity or whatever in mind. You know, everybody's looking out for their own. It was just a heart. It was just a heart wrecking time. And it's it's hard to describe how painful that was to watch your child go through as a mom. It was hard to to know and to think about during that time how it was affecting me because I was thinking so much about my child, but it did affect me so much. I had to face that and I had to, to deal with that. You don't have a lot of you know time or energy to, to think about that, but I realized um, how much guilt I was feeling. You know, the enemy was just putting all the, just working on me over time. I was experiencing tremendous guilt. I thought things like, I can't, Go more with my friends tonight. Sarah's in her mother's cell. She's not hanging out with her friends. I can't hang out with my friends. That wouldn't be right. We moved. We brought her here. It's our fault. You know, she'd be fine for you to say where we were. Everybody loved her. Everybody loved us. The doubt, you know, why would God let this happen? Why would he allow this? Does he really love her? Does he really love me? He knows I love my children more than anything. How would he let this be something that still happens to me? Fear, you know, is this going to affect her permanently? Is she going to be scarred forever? Is it going to get worse? Is it ever going to get better? Anger. Why is this happening? Anger towards other people, you know, that I thought could have could have helped or could have intervened. And anger toward sixth grade kids, if I'm being honest. I just thought they should not matter. You know, this shouldn't be happening. There was a lot of self doubt. I began to question the way we had raised our kids, the way we were raising them. I thought, you know, if we made her weird, you know, what what did we do? If we ruined her, if we ruined our children, um, had her, had our parenting hurt her, was she going to survive middle school? Just all the things. It cost me friendships. I had friends that had you know, children that were involved in, in all of this. And those friendships ended really bitterly. It was it was tough. I remember one night, Sarah and David and I were at, at our house and we were watching a movie. And we were, it was like a Friday night, I think a Friday or a Saturday night. And all that kept going through my mind was, it should not be like this. She should be with friends. I think Alice was was doing something with some friends and Laura was probably dressed in American girl dolls or something. (laughs) 
but here David and I were with Sarah, and I thought this should this should not be this way. And I was so angry. I, I I remember getting up and leaving, just driving off in my car. I don't even think I told David that I was leaving. And I remember turning out on the highway, and it started pouring down rain. And I went to Walmart. I drove to the Walmart parking lot, and I sat in my car. And I remember those windshield wipers going back and forth. And I just remember asking God, why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this happen to my child? You know how much I love her. Why are we having to go through this? And if I'm honest, I can tell you, I didn't really get any answers that night. Uh, I didn't really get any right away. It was a long season of feeling like God was silent and feeling like he had abandoned us. Isaiah 41 10 says, fear not, be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And God never left me. He did strengthen me and he did help me and he did uphold me. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. He was my hope. He is my hope. He did not waste the pain and the suffering that we went through, that I was through. It's hard for me to focus on myself because so much about so much of this is about Sarah, but he didn't waste the pain and the suffering that I felt. Not a bit of it. He created a new relationship with me through this. He didn't leave me content. He didn't leave me where I was. I couldn't stay there. I had to be drawn out of that place, and only he knew how to do that. I had to turn to him. I had to pour myself into him. I had to pour myself into his word, and he showed me that he he loves my children so much more and so much more perfectly than I ever could. And he, he reminded me that there is nothing that we feel or that I felt through that whole experience that he didn't allow his own son. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And God provided so faithfully. He provided so much comfort and hope in so many ways through some really, really wonderful friends that just came around us and loved us and said and did kind things and, and loved on Sarah and loved on me. I tried to go back and find an email from a friend of mine that wanted to be here tonight and she couldn't make it, but email was the form of communication <laughs> back then. And she she just sent me this email one night. I just remember um, getting it and, and just... She just told me some things that God wanted me to hear and he used her to do it. And, you know, she just reminded me that God's not surprised by any of this, that he uses this. He's, he will use this for his good, for his glory. It just gave me hope. It was the only way I could hang on. He provided so much protection for Sarah. Her testimony about that is a whole nother night, and I would love for her to, to be able to do that one night. But looking back, you know, it's just incredible the things that he protected her from during during all of that. He provided company 
through our family. I look back and I, I remember that Sarah had two sisters and three girl cousins that lived right here in the same town. So it was just built-in friends. That was super important and just a godsend. I don't think that was an accident. You know, that he was he was so far ahead of us. She always had her family loving on her. And then God just reminded me and and really showed me that living for him is always worth it. We were we were blessed. I was blessed to see this this particular situation. I mean, God revealed it. And he has I, you know, I, I look at, at my girls, I look at Sarah, and I'm so thankful for what God's done in and through her and, and, and that I'm here to see that. And I can look back and see, oh, you were doing this, you were doing this here, you know, but that doesn't always happen. I know that doesn't always happen. So I'm so thankful that I do get to look back and, and see that, see what, what he was doing. She's married. To an incredible guy that loves the Lord. She's got friends who are rock stars who love Jesus and point her to him. And you know, all of that, all of that has been has been redeemed. But I know that that there's so many times that that doesn't happen on this side of heaven. Yeah, I'm reminded that this world and anything that it has to offer really is uh, temporary. We get so caught up in in so many things that seems so important and they're just they're just really not they're really small. I mean I had a deeper understanding after all of this that you know even if God doesn't reveal his purposes here on earth, which I said, you know, Benedica, I know I know a lot of times we don't get to see we don't get to see that. You know, if we think if we think that living for him now is is worth it. Just imagine eternity. And how worth it that will be. Because this is just this is just temporary. This isn't our home. This is not this is not where we belong. Luke 10:20 says that that my name is written in heaven. That's where my home is. That's where my citizenship is. And he calls me to live like that. Sarah gave me this. I brought this. This hangs on the wall at our house in the office. She gave me this one year for Christmas. And you know, I look at it and I have to wonder sometimes if people come in and see it, they might read it and think, you know, is she tooting her own horn? Is she, what does that mean? You know, it's set apart. Um, your family's set apart. What, what are you saying? You know, what does that mean? It has nothing to do with us. That has everything to do to do with God. He has, he has called our family to be set apart. And I will tell you, that's not easy. It's not easy as believers to live differently and to be different. It's painful sometimes, and it can be lonely, and it can be isolating. You can feel weird, as I said a while ago. We want to blend in. We don't want to stand out and be different, but it's not an option. It's just really not an option. You know, People might start to dislike you. It may cost you things. It should cost you things. The Bible tells us that it, it should cost you. It will cost you. There will be suffering. There will be, uh, you're going to experience all of those things. But when we are living with that eternal perspective, we can see it's okay. It's going to be worth it. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a verse that I've just really really clung to. 
another favorite scripture. I can remember during those times of, of desperation and just searching God's word for comfort, you know, finding finding scripture that I would save and write down and put in my Bible and just kind of meditate on. And one of those verses was um, 2 Corinthians 4. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. A favorite song of mine that I would listen to was Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Another favorite I had was uh, Though You Slay Me. And it's a great song, but there's one recording of it where John Piper talks about halfway through the song. And I remember hearing that, and it had such a profound impact on me. And I wanted to write those words down and just read them. Read them to y'all. You may have heard it before, but it's just kind of an anthem for me of how to live. He says, not only is all of your affliction momentary, not only is all of your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. Of course you can't see what it's doing, but don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out, it's meaningless. No, it's not. It's working for you in eternal weight of glory. Therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get along with God and preach His Word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. It's just my desire to use this life. We've only got one to make Jesus known and to glorify him in all things. And if it means being different or it means being strange, even if it means being a little weird, that's okay. This is not my home. And things are always a little weird when you're not home. Well, we said in the beginning that parenting is always a top request of stories and particularly parenting stories like this. All three of us have girls. I currently have a teenage girl. (laughs) And I sent this this morning to a friend and said, you need to listen to this right now because you will find so much hope and encouragement for walking through parenting your middle school daughters. Mm, Wow. Yes, this story just hit me. I was just aching literally Mm. for Beth. 
because my girls went through different stages at different times when, you know, she mentioned being angry at other moms oh. and, and other sixth graders. And you're like, <laughs> wow, I'm 50 years old and I'm angry at a sixth grader. But, but that is very real. That mother mm. hen comes out. Um, and I think the Lord created us intentionally for that. And quite frankly, my personality was go back to Louisiana. <laughs> you were so happy there, right? And, and I think, you know, but, but the Lord had something greater. And that is what we've Mm. talked about the really the past couple of weeks here on this podcast is that God's timing, God's purpose, Mm -hmm. God's places are always better. And how beautiful that the end of the story, you know, Sarah's married, she has children, and she has seen the work of the Lord in her life. Yeah. You know, Lindy, it's funny. I was the same way. My heart was just breaking for her and just the cries of, why are you letting this happen? And I've had that question just recently, you know, with my daughter, Emma, you know, a few years ago of just her struggling so hard in college and just trying to find her friend group and just feeling she was so lonely. Lonely mm-hmm. and just depressed. And the thing is, is it's like, you know, in those moments as a mom, you just want to fix it immediately. And to, to have to sit back and be still as a mom, and then you allow all of those things that, that Beth had in her head, fear and oh. anger and self-doubt. What did I do wrong? What I can I do better? I have a list of questions here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How will this affect her later? Yes. How do I go out with my friends when she's sitting at home? Yes. yes. Are we parenting wrong? What did we do wrong? Like, I, I wrote those all down. Yeah. And, and Satan wants you as a mom to doubt yourself. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you, you know, one thing that I can say on the other side of this, and that's why I was so thankful that Emma was willing to be vulnerable to go tell her story a little bit on Patreon is that she is on the other side of it. In fact, right now as we speak, she is in Africa serving, you know, in the mission field. And to look back and see where she was in those moments of crying and asking me, where is God in this? And to see where he took her through that as a mom perspective is everything. But I also know that in the middle of it, you know, it's so easy to question your faith in it. And I think that, you know, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see and being sure that God's working in the waiting, right? Mm-hmm. We have lots of stories on that. He's working in the waiting and trusting that something good is going to come out of it. And I can say firsthand through the walk of, of walking Emma through those difficult years there was good that came out of it. And the best part of that good was not that she found 5 million friends and that she was, you know, Miss Popular and all the stuff. The good out of it was that she is closer to the Lord. You know, I wrote down 2 Corinthians 4, and I was like, I think this will be my morning mantra, which is, we do not lose heart. Yes. That's it. Like, Mm -hmm. the verse goes on, but... I was like, you know, sometimes it's a fight for our kids, mm-hmm. and we can get weary of fighting. It's so encouraging to hear the end of the story that there is hope that there, you know, to see where Emma is today, where Sarah is today in her story, and and Beth made that Ebenezer stone, that remembrance stone by hanging the words Mm -hmm. set apart in her home because she can remember how the Lord showed up in that time of her life and how literally the Lord called her family to be set yeah. apart because the world is going to tell you that being in the popular crowd mm-hmm. or or the images on Instagram where it appears everyone's together and you're left out, that that is going to fill you. But she knows that being called and that living for him is always worth it. I love how she said that. 
Well, y'all, thank you so much for listening. I know that our parenting stories are always the most passed along, the most shared, and this one is no different. If you have teenagers, boys too, particularly girls. College kids. College kids. (laughs) All all the kids. um, You know, this is a great one to pass along for hope and encouragement and just to know that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. So thanks for listening. And, you know, it actually really helps people to find our stories if you rate and review. You can do that on Spotify. You can do that on Apple. And to let people know particularly what you liked about the story, leave a little sentence or two of how God used this story in your life and rate it. And we are so, so thankful. And have a great week. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.